Welcome to the Nightly Rant. I'm Mike. And I'm Toria. This is the show where we talk about the awful things that have happened in our day, the awesome things that have happened in our day, and all the things in between. Thanks for listening, and we truly hope you enjoy. Hey everyone, so for today's episode, we have a special throwback because something happened and we were unable to record an episode and we want you to have an episode five days a week. So we hope you enjoy this special throwback episode that we have chosen for you. Welcome back. It's been a couple days. Yes, it has. And it's been a busy couple of days. We took a little hiatus. Yes, we, leading up to election day, which is tomorrow, we were busily doing our thing and getting the word out. Campaigning, campaigning, campaigning. Yep. And uh, working hard. So. It's true. Yeah. That made us talk about. The differences between voting and elections here and voting and elections in Canada. And the similarities, because there's and quite the a few. And similarities, yes. That's one of the things that I find interesting, but not surprising. Kind of like, it's interesting because I never thought about it before, but it's not surprising because with the proximity of the countries, it makes sense. So it's like, so many of the laws... Or the way, or the traditions, or the habits are the same. Well, and we were essentially both birthed from the same country. Right, and that's the point. Like, the indigenous people kind of spread out into two directions. Right. And that's where both countries came from. So it makes sense that you'd have similar traditions and think in a similar way. Right, it's like the two countries are brothers. They're similar, but not identical. Exactly. And then, and then you go with that. Yeah. That things are different. It's okay for things to be different. Is it though? I think it is. Well, like, but so what, what are some of the differences? What's one big difference you can think of? Well, the one thing we've discussed it in length lately is the fact that here people in jail are not allowed to vote. And I think that I, I remember telling you the first time we discussed it, that I had no idea what it was like in Canada, but that that was super weird to me that people who were in jail or people who've just gotten out of jail and are still on probation are not allowed to vote. And what I learned when I Googled it, because, you know, just because you're Canadian doesn't right. mean you know all the ins and outs of everything. Right. I've never been to jail, so. Just because um, you act like you know all the ins and outs. It's true. Anyway, shut up. Um, I learned that when you're in jail in Canada, you do get to vote, but you vote, you don't vote based on where the jail is. You vote based on your last address of residence. Okay, so if you let the prisoner vote, that makes sense to have them vote there. Right. Yeah. So if somebody from, say, Lethbridge was in prison, the prison's in Tabor, but they would vote based on their Lethbridge address. But you want to know what a tricky thing for a politician to do would be? What? 
say your stance is that area needs more prisons, right? Uh-huh. You want to build prisons. But what happens with prisons? It's just like homeless shelters, right? Not in my backyard, right? Well, except for it's a lot easier to build things like prisons not in someone's backyard but, in Canada. But I'm just talking about, it's like, I'm, I'm not using Canada as the example. I'm using how you can use what they're doing okay. to your benefit you as, in a political scenario. So you you have them... You made me forget my entire train of thought. Like, I totally don't even remember where I was going with this now. You were talking about how politicians... You were talking about how politicians could use... Voting in the last district. Yeah. Okay. They could change it. So you want to encourage places to allow a prison? Uh Change it. You get the votes of everybody in that prison to vote for your measures and your candidates. And that gives people from your area more power on the national level. (sighs) Except for... If you're still specifically talking about Canada, because prisoners voting means you're not really talking about here, the way that Perhaps. the elections work, it's it's representation by population. So little herds of area and all their people have the same amount of voice in Ottawa, no matter... But that's not representation by population. Because you have eight people, and you get a representative, and you have 800 people, and you get a representative, and you have 8,000 people, and you get a representative, you have 100 times more people in the same number of representatives. Essentially, but I'm going to give you an example. Essentially, all of southern Alberta is one, represented by one person. Like, it's called Livingston, the area is called Livingston-McLeod, and it is, it encompasses Fort McLeod. And then drops south, so it has, like, Crossness Pass, all those little tiny towns, one person. Then Lethbridge has two people representing it, depending on where in Lethbridge you live. And Calgary has, like, 17 people representing it, because they actually cut the province into pieces. But that's like our Congress, that's all. That's how Congress is done here, is based on the population, that's how many you get. And so then they district it based off of Hmm? how many people are there. And that's one of the arguments that's made. It's called gerrymandering, where they screw with the boundaries. You know, you're supposed to have 43,000 people in this precinct. Well, I can make that 43,000 people come out of various shapes. It could be a circle, a square, a rectangle, a Yeah, triangle, I don't think they do that in Canada. You know, and it can re, they can reshape everything. It could be wrong. And that completely hoses up one party or the other. And that's one of the big problems with the two-party system. And they both work together to make sure that the littler guy doesn't get anywhere. That's the other ginormous difference in Canada versus here. You have two political parties. Or even if even if you have additional political parties, which you clearly do, there are there are only two people to choose from at any given time. Right. In bigger than local elections. Yep. Well, but in, in Canada, you could have, okay, let me give you the, the last time I voted was in the Alberta provincial election in 2014? Yeah. Does that sound right? Okay. There was 
NDP, PC, Liberal, and that Wild Rose Party of crazy people. Right. And then there was the Alberta Party, which are the separatists, the lunatics. And then there was another one that I can't remember. And then there was like seven independents. Right. And you get to pick. You vote one time and you get to pick amongst all of those people to represent you. Well, in an essence, it's like, it's similar to our primary system. Yes, it just, it just skips but, that step. But where it's different from our primary system, correct me if I'm wrong, because this is my own weird understanding of how you vote. But don't you get, like, if there's, to use a round number, let's say there's five candidates. Okay. So if 30% of the people vote for the guy number A Mm -hmm. and 20% vote for guy number B and then 10% votes for C, then... 15% 15% votes for D and 25% votes for E. Don't you get like a portioned representation based upon the percentage of vote that you get? No. Because they cut, because we're talking about the provincial election, they cut the province into sections by population. Whoever has the most votes, like remember I told you I worked for that Greg guy? Mm-hmm. He was a politician. Greg got like of the votes in City of Lethbridge, and he was the representative for City of Lethbridge. The way that it, the way that it gets, like, you have the, the, um, majority government or whatever is the most little sections of people have to elect their own representative, but each little section elects a person, not There are arguments against that. The, the liberals who are in charge of Canada currently actually were ran partly on a platform to change that. So that if they wanted to change it so that, for example, the Green Party, who has one seat ever in Canada, gets 3% of the vote, that they would actually have 3% of the seats in the government. That's not how it currently works. It currently works that because the one person from the Green Party gets the most votes in Saanichton, which is her area... Well, you know she what, though? gets a seat. But you know what, though? From my libertarian leanings, this is why a lot of libertarians say that voting is even bogus. There's a whole pl- plethora of them who say that voting is bogus because your vote doesn't really count because of the way they handle apportioning things with the lines and whatever. And that way that you're talking about makes a lot more sense because, all right, let's use Orange County as an example. Right? Mm-hmm. Well, there's 34 cities. So if out of those 34 cities, X number of them voted a majority city council that was majority Republican, well, then the Republicans would get one vote for the county, etc. And so there'd be the 34 votes. Mm-hmm. And then out of that, there'd be a percentage. How many did you get of this? How many did you get of this? How many did you get of this? Well, there's five seats, right? Mm -hmm. So you should get 30%. If you got 30% of the total vote, you should get 
20% of you got 20% of the total vote, etc. And then there'd be um, more than likely two Republicans, a Democrat, a Libertarian, and a no vote, voter preference. That's what would be on there. And you know why that would be fair? Because you're it, was, representing it would the be a proport, an accurate, proportionate representation of the population as a whole. I have said that a, quite a few times because I've told you before that, okay, I'm going to preface this with the Green Party is not a bunch of lunatics in Canada. Yeah, they're not the crazy, you know, yeah, okay. They're more like, no, I'm not going to compare them. To yeah. They're just not a bunch of lunatics. Okay. I have always voted federally for the Green Party because I feel like they need a voice in the government because they're so small. Kind of like here where libertarians don't really get a voice because they're so small. That's how I felt about the Green Party in Canada. So I chose them. They were they were my people. And my vote in conservative Alberta never meant anything. Because the only Green Party person that was ever has ever been elected is from British Columbia. She's elected on Vancouver Interesting. Island. But I can't vote for her. I voted for whoever the weirdo Green Party person was in Lethbridge or the Crowsness Pass, depending on, you know, which time I was voting. Yeah, I mean, that... It, they attempt to do that here. Right. But... The reality is, um, instead of like having one seat per group of areas, they kind of split the areas all up so much that one area gets way too much influence one way or another. Right. What the Liberal Party, their their whole platform that they ran on was like 98% of why they actually got elected was they wanted to do away with the little borders and just let all of Canada vote for which party they wanted. And if 79% of Canada wanted one party, 79% of the house would be that party. And then that would mean every single person's vote counted 100% right. for what they voted for, which would, by the way, put a complete end to the statement that you hear all the time, well, if you don't vote for the Democrat or the Republican, you're wasting your vote. Exactly. It would do away with that. The problem with it in Canada is that you're electing a person to represent your voice, say if you're somebody from Lethbridge. You're electing somebody from Lethbridge who actually understands you being a person from Lethbridge to the government. Uh-huh. And so, but if they did it the other way, the liberals want, this is the only downfall that I see. You wouldn't necessarily be electing somebody from Lethbridge Correct. to represent your voice of Lethbridge. Correct. Which, it, I don't know if it matters. Well, but all it's doing is removing a layer of government. I mean, if you think about it right now, think about it right now. In, in Cyprus, they have a city council. Huh? That city council has a certain number of Republicans, a certain number of Democrats, but in the end, essentially, whichever one has the dominating force, they're going to lean in that direction for that city. All right, now, if you were to take one representative from each one of those boards who represented the majority party and moved them up to the county level, right? you'd need less people so you'd have that representation there still. It would still be proportionate. It would be based off of only five people instead of 
34 people. Right. But you You might to, have to change the numbers a little bit. Right, you might need seven you might need seven better, supervisors. But... You might need seven supervisors instead of five. That's okay. As long as it's an right. odd number, I don't care. But you would in the end get proportionate representation of the people, which theoretically should mean that when decisions are made, they're made the way a majority of people like them. But see, that's why people fall back on the whole argument, and it's true, we're not a democracy. We're a republic. Because a democracy would be like you're talking about every single person's vote counts. Right. And a republic is, you know what? This general area voted this way, so they're going to get that guy as their representative. Essentially, federally, Canada does currently by cutting everybody into little tiny pieces by like, I think it's by like, 20,000 people, mm-hmm. give or take. It might be less. It might be like 10,000 people. But by cutting the population to those little segments and let those people elect a person, it's the happy medium in between what we're saying would be the fairest system and what you do here. Yes. No, I agree. That's the thing. <laughs> there's, There's... Even, you know, you kind of put what we do here off to one side as the furthest extreme. And I don't agree that it's it not. is because I think there's things that, I mean, you know, what about totalitarianism? But we weren't, we weren't, we and weren't what going. About, and what about the forms of government where they are totalitarian, but they make the claim that they're democratic because they have a parliament and a fearless leader. And the fearless leader is basically saying, bleep you parliament. You didn't vote my way. I'm still doing it my way. Oh, Parliament, aren't you wonderful? You voted my way. So what does he always get? His way. Oh, and by the way. We're digressing into lunacy, which is what what you get when you go past here. And by the way, (laughs) notice that it's always his. Ain't going to be no woman with that type of mentality leading a group of people like that. And it's not because the woman's not capable. It's because women don't think that way. Right. So no woman's going to align with that movement. So how are you going to have a leader that's a woman if they don't have any that align with the movement? This isn't going to happen. But I think that's interesting like that you think about that, that how lunatic it feels to go that far to the spectrum. The, we talked about that once. I can't remember what episode number was. But we talked about how the extremes... They're always lunatics. It doesn't matter if it's extremely towards the funny or good side or extremely towards the bad side. Because let's face it, people who make jokes, like when you hang out with them, people who make jokes that are decently funny jokes on a consistent basis are pretty enjoyable to be around. Right. But contrast that to the guy that never knows when to stop making jokes they're not so enjoyable to be around. Right. So there's an extreme of being too jokey. But then there's the opposite of the guy that... Is too serious. Is too serious. Neither one of those right. is desirable. What's desirable for most people is somewhere in the middle. Right. And that's what I think is the problem. Is I think, for one thing, I get why we wound up with a two-party system here. I do. I get it. But I think we've outgrown the two-party system. I think we've gotten to the point where viewpoints that were, like, in their infancy a long time ago have evolved. When you look at it, Canada has five parties that get elected seats in the federal government. Yeah. We have basically two. 
Five. Do you think a population who has... Okay. That's an average of six million people per... There's one party that's only ever elected in Quebec, and if you know anything about Canada, I'm sure you understand why. Yeah. But everybody else gets to choose from four major parties... You have more choice. You're more likely to find somebody that aligns with you. You're more likely to have your voice actually heard in the government. I mean, here, you essentially have to choose one extreme or the other. There is no middle choice. Well, but then here's the thing, though, that people who argue about it, oh, well, the people with the majority will have the, the most power. Well, if you think about it, think about it, take a group of 100 people. If you divide them fairly close to equal, right? So 30, 32, and 38. So the 38 has a bit of a power gap. Then the 30 to 32, that's pretty close, right? Uh Uh-huh. And then you go and you make a decision. Well, if you talk to society as a whole... There's going to be a percentage that are for the item and a percentage that are against the item. And it's going to be the same thing in the bigger group, only the people you align with are making the decision that aligns with how you think, which affects the overall bigger picture decision, yes or no, as a majority. And it helps create a majority rules kind of mentality, which I see disadvantages to, but I see major upside to. I do not understand. This isn't meant to be rude, so if it Uh comes off this way, I'm pre-apologizing. I do not understand how people who live in a country that is extremely capitalist and free market economy style, no monopolies, no any of that shit is really welcome here. I do not understand how they limit themselves to only choosing between two political parties. You don't limit yourself to choosing between two cell phone providers, two TV manufacturers, two cable providers. No, in fact, a lot of those deals, in fact, a lot of those deals when they try to merge get denied by the government because they don't want to create a monopoly. Exactly. So why, why is that being done with politics? I mean, and look, and look at it. And look at it. This is what happens. It's very typical. Okay. We basically have four cell phone providers. You know, we have Verizon, we have Sprint, we have AT and T, and we have T Mobile. Those are the cell phone providers. Okay? And then there's all the little baby and then, ones. And there's the little baby ones, but what people don't totally grasp. The little baby ones are, little baby ones ones. are subcontracting their data service and their voice service from. T-Mobile, some of them. Some of them are getting right. it from Sprint. Right. So they're using the big guys' networks. So there's still only four networks. Okay, period. Right. Same thing with the internet. There's just multiple There's multiple deals. background. There's multiple backbones to the internet. Multiple. But they all feed the They all feed to the exact same places. They all have the capability to take you to the same places. Right. But some of them are a little faster than others. Some of them have slightly some better prices. Some of them are prices. a little more reliable. Some, some have slightly better prices. Better. Some are packaged better. Exactly. And you you go with the provider based on those frills. Right. But you're still the getting backbone, the same internet. you're getting the same internet. You're basically coming from that same internet backbone. There's only like two of them. You're basically choosing the wrapping paper and the bow. Exactly. And that's the same thing with a cell phone company. You, know, you can go with 
Metro PCS, but they're using probably Sprint as their backbone for their cell phone network. I actually think Metro PCS uses T-Mobile. Well, I don't know. You could be right. I'm just using Sprint because... What but still. Sprint used to be called Sprint PCS, so that's why I stuck the two together what in my head. What does PCS stand for? Personal Communication Service. Solid. I'm impressed that you knew that. Um, so, if you think about it, there really is just those four that you're that you're choosing from the cell phone providers. But there's four. When any one of the two try to merge, it's been right. denied every right. time because they don't want it less than four. For whatever reason, the government has decided cell phone market got to have four big companies. Okay. And then you compare this because the whole purpose of this episode was to compare things in Canada and the United yes. States. Canada only has two major cell phone yeah. providers. And let me tell you, my cell phone plan in Canada was absolutely bullshit. I had I had unlimited local calling, unlimited text, and one gigabyte of internet for twice the price we pay for my phone here that has unlimited everything, including and international think, calling. And I think... Like, and I think that that's why the government has a number in each industry that they pick to allow because they know that the cell phone industry here is going to remain competitive as right. long as there's a minimum of four players. I, th- I think in reality the minimum to have effective competition is three or more. Like, yes, I don't I think you can have effective that. competition no, with less than because they would price fix. And then you get here, specifically in our location, there are only two internet choices. You have Spectrum or AT&T. One, if you think about it, all industries are like this, though. Because if if you want to, you're, you're T-Mobile. Right. I'm a customer. Matthew's a customer. Um. The next person is a customer. Whoever has an account is a customer, mm-hmm. right? All right. But we're just personal customers. We're not anything, you know, big, major, whatever. We only have right. a few phone lines. It costs us a flat amount of money to add more phone lines, etc. Then they have the business customer. They're going to give the business customer a better rate than you're getting because they're still getting the per line dollar amount but if you were getting charged 15 they might be charging the business 1250 right and they still though get a hundred phones from those people at 1250 okay it's 1250 dollars you're not paying them 1250 dollars so they give those people priority on everything because they're the they're where they're making the most money so they get a better rate, but they're just like any other customer. You're Metro PCS and you're using T-Mobile's um, information as a business customer. Sure, they're going to give you as many gigabytes as you request, and they're going to charge you a certain amount of money. You, in turn, have to make sure your service is priced so that you're making a profit off, off of, above and beyond what you're paying T-Mobile as a customer. Anyway, it'd I- be like me. It'd be like me subleasing my cell phone service. To the next door neighbor. I could do that. But at that level, it gets stupid because they can go get the same deal I can get. But as a business, it's not stupid. The more customers you have, the better chance of getting a good subcontract relationship. And then you do hit the point where you become the fifth major 
provider because you're just big enough to now survive on your own. You can build your own network, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. It just goes. And every business um, niche in the world fits into this model. A painter, hire subcontract painters, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. The construction agency is rampant with that. Anyways, my point. That competition exists in every other place in this country. Except voting. Except for politics. Why? That's ridiculous. Well, but okay. And the same can be said. It proves that neither party, neither system is perfect. The same could be said for Canada. Uh-huh. You know, you have lots of variety in the voting, but, no, but not enough can... variety in in businesses like, like cell phone service. Everybody uses cell phone service. So if you're in the cell phone service business... You should have to sink or swim on your own, but they don't have to because they were allowed to buy up everybody. The telecommunications is weird in Canada because there's a sadistic government agency that basically grabs it and molests it before Canadians can touch it. But other industries in Canada have significantly better competition and those industries are cheaper and they do way better. Well, just to prove a point, you know. Libertarian Party people, a lot of the hardcore ones, would disagree with me on that aspect. They would say you should not regulate any level of competition. But here's where I go with that. If you got four big cell phone companies right now, right? Clearly, clearly, T-Mobile and Sprint are about the same size. Mm-hmm. AT&T and Verizon are about the same size. But both AT&T and Verizon alone are bigger than either Sprint or T-Mobile alone. So they're the big boys, and the other two are the small childs, children. If you didn't have any kind of regulation saying, no, no, the government gets to say yay or nay on mergers, the big boy would twist one of the little boy's arms, and those two would merge, and then the other one twist the other one's arm. And then you'd end up with two. And you'd end up with two. But now you're reality. down to two, but then hold on. Then now you're down to two, and what could end up happening is the number one could, whatever, figure out a scandal in the number two company and publicize it. Who knows? Playing dirty, whatever. Or just playing better marketing steals customers away from you to the point where you have a company. Think about this. You have a company that's really only worth $500,000, but... of the market is worth $40 billion. So you're trying to get some of that. You're still that second company. So you think you're owed that much money. Well, I'm going to offer you $20 billion. And people are going to say, why? Your company's only worth $100,000. I'll tell you why. Because once I get rid of you, I own the market. That $300 billion, I get to set the number. You know what? It's $300 billion because we charge... $45 $45 a line. I'm changing it now that I'm the only person in town to $90 a line. Uh-huh. And now you're screwed because now the decision is no longer do I give my money to a different provider. Now it's do I use the technology as a cell phone and pay these suckers or do I not? And when you choose not to, you kind of go backwards in time and history. So that's why there I feel I separate myself from libertarians that think that way because I feel like in order for the free market system to work, there has to be some competition. Otherwise, it becomes a monopoly like and they set whatever price It has price to be is. a minimum of three. Yeah, I, I agree with you. Three gives you the lowest level of acceptable competition. Yep. I totally agree with you on that. 
Just like here, if they added a third political party or just let one of the other political Become parties break through, then more people would be better represented in the government because more people would be able to elect somebody that they clo- more closely align with. Well, you know, that's the interesting thing, okay? Like, like if you think about this, I'm not advocating for or against something like this, but in a democracy type situation, especially a republic, you know, a democratic republic, if you see that party X has one candidate and only one candidate on the ballot, and that's the only candidate on the ballot, and there's a rule that says, like in California, that the top two in the primary move on to the November election, and then you can run a full-fledged campaign, and you have a 50-50 chance of winning, right? And let's face it. Right. You have a 50-50 chance of winning. If you don't get on the ballot, you have a 0% chance of winning. So you get yourself on the ballot as a write-in candidate. All you need is one vote for yourself, because there's only two people they can vote for. And actually, there's only three outcomes. They didn't vote at all, or they voted for the one candidate, or they voted for you. That's Mm -hmm. it. Those are the only options they have. You, them, and nobody. So in the end, you're going to have a percentage of the total who voted. Your opponent's going to have a percentage of the total who voted. And one of you is going to win. But it doesn't matter because it's a top two. So if I only get one vote out of 10,000 and he gets 9,999, it doesn't matter. It's the second, first and second. Now I'll at least know where I stand with the population too. Like usually it's not that drastic. It'll be like, 49% to 47% with 4% not no did not voting at all. So then it comes down to I know I I need to win 3% of the vote back somehow. And it gives you a formula, you know, to get there. But the point being representation again. It's all about keeping it as equal as possible. Yep. And competition. If there's no competition, you can't keep it equal. Stop. Because the two parties rig it. I mean, look at what's happened. Because of people voting the two-party system, it's almost a 50-50 split. Yet, if there was... If there were people... If people actually voted how they align best, it would probably be more like 25%. I agree. 25%, 25%, and then like... 10% 10% that vote for the Green Party? They don't have a lot of support. Right, but like I gave and then, you like, the example... I'm sorry, go ahead. 15% of people who bounce. Yeah. Well, that was the example I gave you earlier was, you know, there's a certain percentage that are for this party, there are certain percentage that are for this party, so let's give them equal representation. Right. People would be more accurately represented with more options to choose from. And I bet you people would more more people would vote. Probably. If they were felt represented. Because you're you're probably exactly right. People, I would guess that there's a percentage of the population that doesn't vote because they hate everybody, nobody fits best with them, and they don't want to be associated with anybody who acts the way that they don't want to associate with. Yes, because as we have determined, there are people who are very strict. They have strict rules about how they vote. Mm-hmm. I will never vote for somebody who got a campaign donation from a real estate broker. 
You hear stuff like that. Right, and that eliminates, like, a huge pile of people that they could never vote for. So they just don't vote when there's only people who got donations from real estate brokers. Right, exactly. And so they have their very strict rules. And there's other people who have no rules at all. They just kind of go with the flow, and they're usually following someone else. Someone else is telling them how to vote. So they're giving someone a multiple vote. And those are the two extremes there. But then on the candidate side of things... You're trying to appeal to everybody, but you're doing so without losing your integrity. And I honestly think, I honestly think that the top two system that happens here and having the primary and doing any of that shit is part of the reason um, additional parties can't break through. Yeah. Because people get so afraid that person they really don't want to win will win but they don't vote for the person they align with best they vote against the person other person if they if they okay so there's what 31 people for governor yeah if they just let all those people they only voted for them once let all 31 of them people would get more informed about who they were voting for because they wouldn't be voting against somebody they would just vote for who they align best with right because like that one group that is shall rename nameless is campaigning against a particular individual to try to steal votes from that individual, knowing that they can't beat that person in the primary at all. So they're trying to steal votes so that then they narrow the field down to just two, which then, as we described earlier, makes it easier to try to control the outcome in the end. Right, but there are multiple multiple candidates from the Republican Party running in every single location. And if you just multiple it, Democrats running. And if you just voted with whom you aligned the most. Right. And that person was the winner. If we didn't care so much about it only being because you know it could be someone in that scenario, someone could get twelve percent and win. They could. Right. And people oh well that only represented twelve percent of the people. Well the other eighty eight percent weren't represented. They go back on that popular vote argument. Mm -hmm. That's not the system. If the system is top percentage is the winner, Mm -hmm. then top percentage is the winner. I have a freaking solution. A beautiful, beautiful solution. You axe the primary completely. We've had enough of this shit. It's done with. We're going to let all the candidates for governor just get voted on in November. Then the government takes the millions of dollars they saved running an election in June and they give all the candidates their 400 word candidate statement for free so that it's not based on how much money you can raise and send everybody a book with an actual description of all 32 of the candidates for them to read so they can make an educated decision on who they actually want to run their state. Correct. That's my solution. Or at the very least. Fresh from a Canadian. Here's where I was. Here's where I would go with it. Here's where I would go with it. At the very least. How it should work is in the book, there should be a line for every candidate to find out more information about this candidate. Even that Go works. to colon website address. Now, if you don't have a website, you're going to be blank right there. Maybe they won't display that. Or you can book. have a Facebook page. But, but point it to something. Something, yes. Right, a URL has to go there. And then the second thing could be, all right, Here's a statement. It's been paid for to help fund the book. Right? But guess what? I didn't have enough fundraising to pay for that in the book. Right. But it still says in the book, to find out more information about this candidate, go to 
electmahoney.com. In reality, they could save a buttload of money on the book by just having all the candidates put together their own website with their information on it and not bother printing a giant statement. There, you just saved even more money. Exactly. But the point is, you're giving equal representation because, yeah, you know what? I agree. People who are going to put a statement in are going to have a slight edge, but the edge is only slight and doesn't and only exists if their platform is even close to yours. If if you've thought things out better and you have more to say and you're more vocal about it, you win in that scenario because people are voting for the person that they most think will do the job right. Right. Not who their party says they should vote for. Exactly. I mean I mean Okay, do you people, do you people and you obviously really think that Donald Trump would be the president right now if you had a choice between all of the different Republicans that were running and all of the different Democrats that were running and any Libertarians that also ran with Gary Johnson? Like, I don't know if there's any other ones. And the Green Party person and any independents that wanted to run? Do you really think Donald Trump would be the president right now? He wouldn't be. Because everybody would have voted with how they actually feel instead of voting against Hillary or against Donald Trump. Yes, because we vote for the lesser of two evils. Because right. there's only um, two choices. And stupid. That's my point. Now I don't want to talk about it anymore. <laughs> well, but it is stupid, and it needs to be fixed. Alrighty. Well, <laughs> Aphrodite. Good night, everyone. Hasta la bye-bye. Hi, everyone. This is Mike, and I truly hope you enjoyed the show. You're able to subscribe to this show on iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher so as to never miss an episode. If, by chance, you did miss an episode here or there, you can catch up on all shows, past and present, by heading over to yogispodcastnetwork.com forward slash TNR show. Thanks for listening.